Good morning, Lakeview Church. I want to start with a question this morning. I need you to get ready to, to respond to this question, okay? Are you ready? I need you to bring your best to this next couple moments here, okay? Who's glad to be in church today? Oh, that's awesome. You guys did a great job, and we're, you're going to get better at that as time goes on. But God's at work here. God's moving in our midst, and we're so excited about what he's doing. For those of you here in the room, I just want to add my welcome to what Pastor Jessica said earlier. We're so very glad you're here. And for those of you who are joining with us online, we just want to say a special welcome to you. Whether you're watching this live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we are so glad that you've gathered with us, and we just want to welcome you here. So Lakeview Church, can we say hello to those who are joining us online? We say this all the time here at Lakeview Church. We are an everyday church for everyday people, and we have one primary passion, and that is to help as many people as possible learn to follow Jesus, learn to live generously, and learn how to make a difference every single day. And we're in the middle of this series, which we're calling the Go Initiative, and we're really just challenging every single one of us to just lean in in this season of our church to say, God, what do you want to do in our church and through our church, and how can I be a part of it? And we're just believing God to open some next steps for each and every one of us. Every week in this series, we've been drawing attention to what we call our guidebook, which is a special resource that we created especially for this series. And if you don't have one of these, we have a table in the back and you can grab one of those. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you do have it, to just open this up with me uh, this morning. And I want to encourage you to look at pages 44 and 45. Each week, I've kind of been drawing your attention to some specific parts of this book that we've put together. And I want to draw your attention this morning to the frequently asked questions section. I'm not going to take time to work through each one of these questions or even to read these for you. But I do want to just draw attention to a couple of things on these two pages. And the first is... How do I determine what I'm supposed to give or how, if I'm supposed to give and how much I'm supposed to give to the GO initiative? And I know for some of you, you may already have a way that you've learned to listen to God and hear his voice and respond to him. I know that many of you have been walking with the Lord for a long time and maybe you know how to do that. But I know that some of you are earlier in your faith journey, and maybe for you, this is the first time or the first season where you've taken time to really listen to God. And I want to just maybe give you kind of a, a way to, to think about how to do that so that you have a process that you can walk through. I want to I help you learn how to hear God's voice, not just for the Go initiative, but for your spiritual journey. I think sometimes we think that hearing the voice of God is for the really special Christians, but I actually think it's for the normal ones. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and I will speak to them and they will follow my leadership. This is part of the Christian journey. I don't think people made it into the Bible because they were special. I think they made it into the Bible because they were normal, everyday people who sold out to following God. 
And I wanna help each and every one of us know how to listen to God. And so I would just encourage you over these next couple of weeks as we're walking through the remainder of this series, which will wrap up on October the 8th, to just spend some time listening for God's voice. And I would encourage you to just carve out some space. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be a half a day or some kind of big retreat. Just carve out a few minutes and ask God, God, what would you have me do as part of the GO initiative? And as you're praying that prayer, I want you just to think about what you normally give. As Claire said in the video, it's not about just going all in and giving all of your money to the church. It's just what's the next little step that God might be leading you to do. So think about how you've normally been giving. On page 38 of this guidebook, you'll find a little giving chart, and it's just a tool. It's just a way for you to kind of think about what would your, your normal giving in a month what would that translate to over a two-year period of time for the GO initiative? And I would encourage you as you're praying and thinking about what you normally give to look at page 38 and kind of find the line that most closely matches your number. You may not find a line that exactly matches your number. That's okay. It's just a tool. It's just an illustration. But I would encourage you to find that. And then here's where I want you to, to start listening for God just to ask the Lord, is this line, the line that I'm currently on, is that where you want me to be? Or is there another line on this page that you'd like me to, to give at? And this is where discernment becomes tricky because now you're, you're trying to hear the voice of God. And is it my voice? Is it God's voice? Is it someone else's voice? And you're trying to figure that out. I want to encourage you to think about two things. I think where you hear the voice of God is the place where faith and peace meet. It's where you sense God is asking you to believe him for more than you can do on your own. And that when you land on that number, that line, that place, that you sense God's peace. I think God is always asking us to step out on faith. He's always asking us to grow our faith and stretch our faith. And you could pick a number that's really, really big that would require lots and lots of faith, but you might not find God's peace in that number. You also might find yourself in a place where there's a lot of peace because you think, I can do this. It fits in my budget. It doesn't require any faith in God. I know I can handle this. And maybe if that's you, you just need a little more faith. I'm just going to encourage you to look for the place where faith and peace meet and then say, that's the number that I think God wants me to give. And then all I want you to do is do what God is telling you to do. Now, I need everybody to look right up here at me because this may be the most important thing that I will say today. There is absolutely zero pressure for you to give in the GO initiative. Zero. One of the things that I've been praying for for over a year now as we've been putting this initiative together is that every dollar given in the GO initiative would be given biblically. And what I mean by that is in order for a gift to be given biblically, it must be done with a cheerful heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, each one of you should give what you have decided to give and you should do it from a cheerful heart, not under compulsion or obligation. 
I want every dollar given to the Go initiative to be given cheerfully, and you can't do that if I'm twisting your arm. Amen? That's why I'm not going to twist your arm. All I'm asking you to do is pray, listen for God's voice, and do what God's asking you to do. And if you do that, if you do that, I'm telling you, God's going to stretch your faith, God's going to meet our need, and God's going to move us forward in our own spiritual journeys and as a church family. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do through the GO initiative. Now, the other part that I want to point out from pages 44 and 45 are uh, there's some conversation in one of those questions about the commitment card. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the commitment card at the end of today's service. But here's what I want you to know. There are two times that we have set aside special services where collectively we have an opportunity to give our commitment cards. One of those is actually going to happen in this room tonight. Our staff and our leaders are going to be gathering together to give our commitments, but we invite anyone who feels already that you know what God wants you to commit to this initiative to actually come prepared tonight and just join us in that service. It's going to be right here in this room at 6 p.m., and all of you are invited. Even if you're not ready to make a commitment, you just want to come for a night of worship and prayer and consecration of our church. We've got some people who are going to share some testimonies, and we're going to walk through the commitment card time tonight, and it's going to be a wonderful time of consecration and prayer and worship, and we would invite you to join with us tonight. If you don't feel ready to do that tonight, or maybe you're not available to come tonight, don't worry. On Sunday morning, October the 8th at 1030 a.m., right here in our worship service, we're going to walk through a commitment time, and listen, this is going to be a great day for our church. It's going to be a day of celebration. It's going to be a day of worship. It's going to be a day of seeing God move in our midst, and you don't want to miss it. So I want to encourage you, if you can't be here tonight, to be here on October 8th. And even if you can be here tonight, be here on October 8th. It's going to be a great day, and you're going to want to be a part of it. Good? Okay, take a deep breath. We're done talking about that stuff. Now we're going to dig into the scriptures. And if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. We're studying the early chapters of the book of Joshua as we're walking through this series. And today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. Last week, we covered a lot of territory. We talked about how God called Abram in Genesis 12 and how Abram had Isaac and Isaac had a son named Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons. And we talked about the leadership of Joseph and how God used Egypt to set his people free, to provide for them, to, to actually give them what they needed during the famine. And then how God used Egypt to prosper his people. And then how after Joseph died, the Pharaoh changed and the people of God began to be oppressed in Egypt, and then God raised up Moses and delivered the people. Remember, they went all the way to the promised land, but they didn't enter in. They didn't have the faith to enter in. They actually said, the challenges are too big. This is going to be way too hard. We're going to just kind of hold back here. And they didn't enter in. They had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then we, we came back to Joshua chapter 1, where God brought his people right back to the doorstep of the promised land. And then we talked about how the, the people of God, in order to enter in, they had to put their focus on the future that God was calling them into. 
And remember, we talked about some lessons that we could learn from the people of Israel and that season of wandering in the wilderness and, and entering into the promised land. We talked about the fact that there's a temptation to focus on our past, to want to go back to the place we came from. And if we focus on our past, we won't move forward into the future that God has for us. We talked about the fact that there's also this temptation to focus on our challenges and our obstacles because every time we're moving forward, it usually includes challenges and obstacles. The, the path is not usually smooth and easy when you're trying to move forward into what God has for you. And, and, and if you focus on the challenges and the obstacles and the hurdles that you've got to overcome, what ends up happening is you, your, your challenges seem to get bigger and bigger in your vision. And while they're getting bigger and bigger, your God seems to be getting smaller and smaller. But if you'll put your focus on God and know that those challenges are still there, but you keep your focus on God, guess what happens? You begin to see just how big and great and powerful and mighty God is and how he can make a way even when there doesn't seem to be a way. Amen. We talked about the fact that we as God's people have to put our focus on God and the future that he is calling us into. And this morning, I wanna add one more part to that statement. We do have to focus on God and we do have to focus on the future that he's calling us into, but we also have to have faith. We have to have faith. Because what God is asking us to do is not something that we can do on our own. We need the help of God and the hand of God to move us into what he has for us in the future. So we have to keep our focus on him, our focus on the future that he has for us, and we have to have faith that God will help us. God's been giving us a clear picture of the future, and we talked about it last week. We talked about the fact that here at Lakeview Church, God has something for us, that the best days of this church are not behind us, that God has been faithful to bring us here to this place because he has something he wants to do next, and we want to see what he wants to do next become a reality. And so we are focused on that future. Last week, we talked about the fact that we want to help as many people as possible learn to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference. Listen, I think that God wants to do something special in Marion and Grant County. In fact, I actually believe he's already doing it. I know that we look at the news sometimes and we think there's lots of bad things that are happening, and they are. But there are also people coming to faith across our community, not just at Lakeview, but at other churches as well. People are, 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 are coming to faith in Jesus. They're giving their lives fully to him. We're hearing stories from churches across our community about how God is restoring marriages, about how God is bringing families back together, about how people are finding freedom, about how needs are being met and people are being served. Lakeview's a part of that, but, but God's doing something bigger than just our church in our community. And I believe there is a day in front of us where Marion and Grant County can be a place known for the work of God. 
That's what I pray for every day, that this community would be known as a place where God is working and God is moving. Souls are being saved. Lives are being changed. Marriage is being restored. Families being put back together. Addicts being set free. People's lives being restored from anxiety and depression and guilt and fear and all of the things that the enemy comes against us with. That's why we do what we do. We want to help people follow Jesus and become everything that he wants them to be. That is our call as a church. And that's what our future holds for us if we'll just keep moving forward. We talked last week about how we've got this this weight that we're carrying. Remember I talked about the backpack with rocks in it? We got one of those. It's called debt. Our church has about $1.3 million in debt, and, and, and we just want to get rid of that. That was a good place. That was a good place for an amen. I'm just, I, we got, I'm going to get the cue cards going up here. If you guys don't follow along here, we want to we get rid of that debt. Because here's what happens with that debt. If we can get that off of our shoulders, we can run farther and faster into what God has for us. We can do more for our community and more for the kingdom of God if we are not carrying that on our shoulders. So we want to move our church to a place of financial freedom so that we can use every available resource to advance the work of God in our community and around the world. And then we talked about the vision that God's given us, that God's called us to be a church that's invested in other places of the world. And we talked even last week about what we're doing in Irapuato, Mexico, and we had special guests with us from there, and it was a joy to have them with us. And we talked about what we're doing in Zambia to partner with the Africa Wesleyan University College there to get that physical campus in the ground so that they can begin to take on students so that they can train educators and nurses and pastors to serve the continent of Africa, and we're excited to be a part of that, and that's part of the GO initiative. We've talked about our ministry development program. We want to be a place where people who are called to ministry as pastors and missionaries can come and be a part of our local church for two years where they can be trained and developed. They can get practical ministry experience, and then we bless them and commission them and send them wherever God is leading them to go, and we want to be a part of that. We talked about local outreach and benevolence. We want to partner with organizations in our community who are doing great work for the kingdom of God and help them do even more of what they are doing. And we want to meet needs in our community through benevolence. And we want to continue to take care of this physical campus that God has blessed us with and make sure that we are continuing to provide an environment that is welcoming and up-to-date and comfortable for people who are coming in to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has been so good to give us a clear picture of the future that he's calling us into. And we, through the, throughout this GO initiative, we've been summarizing it this way, that what God is asking us to do next as a church is to invest $2.25 million in generosity over the next two years. November of 23 through October of 25, to see all of those things happen, to see our continuing, present, ongoing ministry fully funded, to see our debt cut in half over the next 24 months, and to see all of those vision projects fully funded so that we can move into the future that God has for us. We've got to stay focused on God and the future he has for us, but in order to move forward, we have to have faith And this brings us to Joshua chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, 
I want to encourage you to follow along with me. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen for you. This is what the text says. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove, and they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. It's a lot of ites in that verse right there. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. This is the word of the Lord. There is this... I think key lesson in this passage of scripture about faith because what God is asking the people to do in this moment requires faith. Remember all of their history. They've been here before, right? Under Moses' leadership, they were there and they sent the spies in and when the reports came back, their faith failed them. They said, the challenges are too big, the obstacles are too hard, we can't move forward and do what God's asking us to do. And they just elevated their challenges and they diminished the power of their God. They didn't have faith to do what God was asking them to do. And now here they are in this moment and they're being asked to cross the river and go into the land. And this moment in their history requires them to have faith. They're standing on the banks of what now is a flooded river. We know this from other passages in the book of Joshua that the Jordan River is at flood stage during this season that they were camped next to it. So for three days, they hear the rushing water of a flooded river and they're trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get across that thing? It's going to require faith. They need God to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And, and they're not foolish. They know that when they cross the river, that's one obstacle, but there are others on the other side waiting for them. 
They know about the walls of Jericho. They know about the armies of Ai. They know about all of the places where they're going to have to go and push out all of those ites. They know, they, they know that everything that is in front of them, though it is what God has for them, is going to be challenging and hard and difficult. There's nothing about this that is easy or simple or pain-free or without any cost to them. They know that there is challenge in front of them, which means they have to have faith. Faith that God is going to come through for them. And this leads us to the core truth for today's message. Your faith unlocks your future. Again, you can see the two stories. Think about when they were there with Moses. They did not have faith. And what happened to them? They didn't enter in. But in this story, as they have faith, spoiler alert, they're going to go into the promised land with Joshua because in this moment, they're going to have faith and they're going to follow what God is leading them to do. This is a key to moving forward with God, that we know what God wants us to do. We keep our focus on him in spite of the challenges and we have faith to do what God's asking us to do. And you might be wondering this morning, what is faith? What do you mean by faith? I'm so glad you asked because that sets up the next part of this message what is faith what does it mean for us to have faith faith is more than a thought in our minds it's more than an emotion we feel in our heart it's more than something we work up to believe that God can do great things It requires that, but it's more than that faith is when we have a dependence on God And that shows up in active obedience. A dependence on God plus active obedience, that is faith. It is not enough to say God is great and powerful and good and he can do amazing, wonderful, mighty, powerful, miraculous things. We should say that, but then we have to decide to move from that moment to a moment of doing what God leads us to do. It is not enough to say, God can do miraculous things, but I'm not willing to do what he's asking me to do because at that moment, you do not have faith. You have a belief that God is powerful and mighty and strong and capable, but you only have faith when you're willing to put into action what God is asking you to do. This is why the book of James says, faith without works is dead. It doesn't live without active obedience. And when you read this story, if you really put yourself in the story, Right? Don't think about being Joshua or even one of the priests, although it is interesting to think about what it's like to take the most prized possession of your entire nation, the one piece of furniture reserved in the temple for the place where the very presence of your God dwells, and take it and step into a flooded river while you're the one holding it. So maybe think about that for just a minute. What kind of faith would that require? 
Think about, think about the stories that we've even looked at in recent months where we talked about the guy who reached out to steady the ark. Remember, it was going to fall, and he didn't want it to fall, and he reached out to steady it, and God struck him dead. This is, this is a significant piece of furniture, right? And they got to carry it into a flooded river to lead the people. And think about the people of God who have been told, hey, get yourselves ready, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things among us, and you're going to want to be a part of it. And, and they're thinking about it, and then they see the ark walking with the priest to the flooded river. This is crazy. This is not a smart idea. They could fall. The ark could, could get damaged. It could get washed down the river. This is not smart at all. Whose idea is this? Can we have Moses back? I mean, it's a crazy idea. And there's no doubt that they are thinking, man, I like Joshua. He seems like the right guy to lead us. But this doesn't seem smart. This doesn't seem wise. This seems almost foolish, almost silly that we would do it this way. Isn't there another way? But the most important question is whose idea is this? If it's Joshua's idea, then it probably is silly. And it probably is foolish. But if this is God's idea, if God has spoken to his people and said, here's what I want you to do next. If God's the one giving the command, then it is 100% the right thing to do to say we believe God is powerful and mighty and strong and he can make a way where there seems to be no way, so let's get going. That's faith. That's faith. And God is inviting our church right now, just like he was inviting the people of Israel in that story, to have faith. To discern where he is leading us collectively and then individually to say, how am I supposed to be a part of this? To know what God wants us to do and then to believe that he can do great things. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And if we know what he wants us to do, even if it seems crazy, foolish, silly, beyond what we thought was possible or what we thought was rational, if God is the one asking, then we get to obey him in this moment. And when we do, we have faith. And you say, well, that sounds just a little bit scary. Why would we want to have faith? Well, because without faith, this is what the book of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God. That's why I want you to have faith. I want you to have faith because I want you to stand before God one day and hear him say, well done. Well done. You took what I gave you and you surrendered it back to me and you did what I asked you to do with what I've entrusted to your care and you've done a good job. Enter into your master's happiness. That's what I want for you. And that requires faith. Dependence on God, 
combined with our active obedience to what God is asking us to do in this season. And listen, I've already recounted what God is asking us to do collectively in this season, and I'm not gonna review it again. Just wanna say, God's given us a picture of the future, and when you think about it, it's a big picture. It's a big goal. It's, these are big steps God's asking us to take, and, and I don't know about you, but when I pray, I think, God, if you don't help, we're in trouble. We're gonna need you to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. God, we're gonna need you to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And I, I find myself over these last several months praying, getting ready for the Go initiative. And even in these weeks when we're right in the middle of this series, just, just I feel inside of me God stretching my faith. I find myself trying to say, but God, this seems more reasonable. And God's saying, yeah, yeah, I know. Just a little bit more. Because he's trying to grow me. And I think he wants to grow you too. And if we will listen for his voice, I believe he's going to make us into different people through this initiative. We have big, big goals, big dreams a future that God's calling us into. It's gonna require faith. It's gonna require faith. There's no way around it. But there are three things that you can count on. Three things. I wanna give them to you real quickly. They come right out of Joshua chapter three. The first is clear direction. Clear direction. I love the way from Joshua chapter one to Joshua chapter three, God's directions get more clear. In Joshua chapter one, we're just told be strong and courageous, Joshua. Wherever you place your foot, that's what I'll give you. But by the time we get to Joshua chapter three, now we're gonna go to the Jordan River. We're gonna camp for three days. During that three days, we need you to purify yourselves. At the end of the three days, the priests are gonna carry the ark. They're gonna start out and lead the people because we wanna know that God is the one leading us. The people need to stay a half mile behind and they should not get any closer, but they should follow the priests into the river. The instructions are very clear. God doesn't leave his people without a sense of, of his leadership and his direction. I just want you to know, as we take big steps as a church and as you take big steps in your personal life, one of the things that you need to begin to bank on in your life is God's clear direction. God's gonna speak to you. I believe he wants to do that. I believe he will do that. If we will give him space in our lives and listen for his voice, he will guide us. I've referenced this verse recently in services, but I wanna reference it one more time. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a verse that gets put in almost every graduation card that's ever been given if you're a religious person, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and to give you hope and give you a future, not to harm you. This is an encouraging verse of scripture because it reminds us that God has plans for us. But several, several years ago, I did a, a, a little study project in my devotions and I, I, I went to all of the famous verses in the Bible and I studied the verses around them. So Jeremiah 29, 11, I knew by heart, but I didn't know Jeremiah 29, 
until I did this study. And Jeremiah 29 is a letter that Jeremiah writes, and it's really God writing through Jeremiah to the people of God. And do you know where the people of God are when Jeremiah writes the letter? They're in exile. They've been carried off to a foreign land. And why were they carried off? They were carried off because they turned their back on God. They were perhaps in the worst place they could be because they neglected God, walked away from God, had no interest in God. And God loves them so much that he writes them a little letter. And in that letter, he says, I still got plans for you. You may have messed your life up. You may have gone down wrong paths, made bad choices, turned your back on me, didn't want anything to do with me, but I still have plans for you. You say, what does this have to do with clear direction? Well, when I studied the verses around verse 11, I got to verse 13. Verse 13 says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now, when I read verse 11, it says God's got plans. I kind of want to know what the plans are, don't you? God doesn't say, seek out my plans with all your heart and I'll show them to you. God says, no, the order of business is I have plans, but you should come find me. Because when you find me, I'll tell you everything you need to know about where your life's going. You don't need to worry about seeking God's direction. Just seek God. Because if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. And when you find him, he's going to open up his direction to you. You can count on God's clear direction. Secondly, you can count on big challenges. When you're walking with God, I, w- I mean, it would be so much better if there was a verse in the Bible that says, if you follow me, life will be easy. I mean, this place would be packed if that was our message, right? People would be flocking in here. We couldn't keep them out if that was the message of the Bible. Follow God and life will be easy. There is no such verse. I've looked for it. It doesn't exist. There are verses that say, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. You're going to have challenges. It's just a part of it. Anytime God leads us into the future that he has for us, there's always going to be something that's going to require you to trust God more than you've trusted him before. You're going to have to depend on him more than you ever have before. You're going to have to to surrender more than you ever have before. You might have to be sacrificial. You might have to do some things differently. You might have to lay some things down so you can pick some new things up. Always going to be challenges for the people of God in Joshua 3. A flooded river, the walls of Jericho, the entrenched army, all of the ites that have to be kicked out of the land. Listen, there's nothing about the promised land that's easy. But it's what God wants for his people. And so you move forward into the challenges because that's where God wants you to go. And where God wants you to go is always the best place to be. 
You can count on clear direction and you can count on big challenges, but you can also count on God's blessing. Because when God's people have a direction from God and are willing to move forward in the face of the challenges in front of them, God meets his people in that moment of faith with his favor. He makes a way where there isn't a way. He makes the the river stand up in a wall so his people can cross over into the promised land. And when they walk around the walls of Jericho, they come falling down, not because of who they are, but because of who God is. When God's people do what God is asking them to do, God shows up and he shows up and does things that we cannot do. And you know why he does that? So he gets all the glory. If we could do it on our own, we'd be patting ourselves on the back. Aren't we so great? Aren't we so awesome? But we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord because what God does in and through us, he gets the credit for. And we're not gonna take the credit. We're gonna give it all to him. You can count on clear direction. You can count on big challenges and you can count on God's blessing. But there's one requirement. One requirement. And it's faith. I was reflecting this morning as I was walking through these pews like I do so many days of the week, praying for you. I know where you sit. You all sit in the same place most of the time. I know where you sit. And I pray for you. I was thinking about you this morning as I was walking through here praying for you. I was thinking about times in the Bible, places even where Jesus says, I couldn't perform miracles there because they didn't have faith. And then I was thinking about other times where Jesus performed miracles in unlikely situations, places where he didn't even feel called to perform a miracle because the person had great faith. Faith is the key. Now we read Joshua chapter three and we know the story. They went into the promised land. They they actually did what God was leading them to do. But here's the thing. They had a choice. Somebody could have stood up in that assembly before they went across the flooded Jordan River and said, wait a minute. Doesn't anybody remember how big the people are in the land? Don't you guys know how many ites there are out there that we're gonna have to kick out of this land? Don't you know about the walls of Jericho? And oh, by the way, there's a flooded river in front of us. Let's just stay where we've been. But no one did that in Joshua. You know why? Because they had faith. They had faith. They said, we know the challenges are there, but we know God is leading us. And we're going to walk into the promised land that he has for us because we want to experience every bit of favor and blessing that he has for us so that he gets all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. 
One of the ways that we're going to get to demonstrate our faith and tonight, for those of you who will be here, and if not tonight, on October 8th on Commitment Sunday, is we're going to fill out a commitment card. And you can find a copy of that commitment card. It's not the actual one you'll fill out, but inside the guidebook on page 38 and 39, you'll find the commitment card there. And I'm not going to talk about it in detail tonight because we're going to talk about it tonight in the service. We're going to talk about it on Sunday, October the 8th. But I want you to just begin over these next couple of weeks, or if you're coming tonight over this afternoon, to just prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, what does faith look like in my life for the Go Initiative? That's all I want you to ask. And just find that place where faith and peace meet. And just do that. If you do that, I will promise you, God will show up in your life and do amazing things. Consecrate yourselves, for God is going to do great things among us. So, Father, I pray for us this morning as a church body that you would speak clearly to us that you would guide and direct us, that you would fill our hearts and our minds with wisdom and discernment and guidance and direction. Help us in these days to seek you with all of our heart because when we do, we'll find you. And when we find you, you'll tell us what to do. God, we know that there are challenges in our personal lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. There are always going to be challenges in front of us, but you have overcome the world. You are bigger, greater, stronger, more capable than anything that we could ask, think, or imagine. So we recognize the challenges, but we recognize the greatness of our God. And we're asking you in this moment, Lord, to give us faith. Not just the ability to say you're great, but the ability to obey what you are asking us to do so that we can see your blessing and your favor poured out so that you get the glory and you get the honor. Lord, we love you today. We're asking you to guide us and direct us and give us faith for the future that you're leading us into. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Jessica, come.